Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Dana Dykema, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Amazing. Thanks for having me on. This is so much fun. Tell us about what you do, Valley to Shore. Okay. So Valley to Shore is now a two-year-old company that I founded um, mostly to fuel my own eating habit <laughs> of wanting to eat locally and in season and to know where my food comes from, um, to know that there's no sprays applied on it, um, to support my local farmer and know that my whole dollar is going to the farmer, uh, to cut out the middleman, and then to build community around this this service of going from here where I am in the North Shore out to the Fraser Valley once a week and then bringing it back for people in my community. So you're you're like a um, like a runner service, or you like you you yeah. gather up produce from local farmers, put the um, the boxes together, and then deliver t- to customers who've ordered. I don't actually do any of that. I did when I first started. I was the one putting together the boxes. Um, uh, Dan from Local Harvest, he would write down the list and you know show me where everything was, and then I would be putting everything together. And then after that, that first season, um, we kind of switched gears, and they took that on, which was amazing. Um, so I just go there. I have my trailer. Uh, I've got my Forerunner and a, my 6x12 tra- trailer that I pull. Um, I show up with all my empty crates, and they unload that pallet and then put in the new pallet of the orders for that week that they've already – they do all the work. I just show up. Um, I don't do any delivery either because I'm a one-man band, um, and I have four kids with tons of sports going on, and we're involved in our church, and I'm like, I just can't. Right now, it's just I just don't have enough time to deliver. So people meet me on the roadside at a meeting spot, and I just pass off their goods to them. Um, and then if they can't make the meeting time slot that I've got, about an hour and a half that people meet me, uh, then they do come to my house for pickup. But I don't do any food handling or anything. It's just a, I pick up and I give it to them, and then they're on their way. And then for people who order a harvest box from Local Harvest, I provide recipe ideas the following day because I don't know what's going to be in the harvest box myself. Um, so then I can take a look at things and then provide them with some recipes to help them get cooking. So a lot of the ingredients are new to people, or there's just a lot of food as well. So I try to want I want to break it down for them to, so they utilize everything and they feel like they're getting the good value out of it and um, trying new recipes, getting themselves back in the kitchen, cooking from scratch, and uh, enjoying the meal that they created out of this food. Well, that's <clears throat> that's exciting. Do do people like is is the is the harvest box kind of like oh look what I got this week 
or do you mm -hmm. do you don't go in like ahead of like I wouldn't go in like a couple of days before and say I need some cabbage and some potatoes and cust custom order it's like a harvest box is yeah, so it's it's a it is a community supported agriculture the CSA box, um, except I run it on demand. Uh, often farms will run a CSA program through the growing season. Usually, it's like May till August or so, um, whereas people would buy a share of that whole harvest and then they would get um, part of that harvest throughout that season, um, and then they would pay for the whole thing usually up front or maybe there'd be like two payments throughout the season, but um, I just do it on demand um, so people order as, as they want. And like I said, I don't know what's in the boxes, but it's whatever's ready at the farm, uh, whatever's in season, whatever's ready to be harvested. And um, so then I just make it work. And it, the farm is an hour and a half from my house, so it's not like I can just hop over there and go check things out. Um, it's, it's a bit of a haul to go over there. So um, yeah, I trust them. And uh, so there's been some, some boxes that have been super successful and really well-rounded, and some boxes I'm like, okay, I like um, the week before last. There's a lot in there that I don't I don't normally buy myself or like that I'm not as comfortable with, like radicchio. Um, there was turnips, and I forget there was like a lot of bitter items in there. So that stretched me as a as a cook, um, but it's good. You know, you just go on Pinterest is amazing. It's a great resource. And you just get inspired by all these amazing sounding dishes. And you're like, okay, I've got this and this. And um, now I'm sort of, I told the guy who puts them together, uh, he's the son of Dan and Helen who own Local Harvest. I was like, if you can just sort of put them, put the boxes together with like a core uh, group of ingredients, like your onions and garlic and carrots and celery, like core ingredients that people can sort of work around and then add your surprises, add the uh, like what, right now, there's lots of squash in season. Um, yeah, there's going to be lots of cabbage coming up. Um, what else? There's going to be rutabagas. Carrots are always there at this time, and they actually get so much sweeter once we hit the first frost, which we don't, we haven't had that yet. Um, celery, things like that. So, and there's usually a couple of herbs and then a fruit in there. And at this time of year, it's it's apples, apples every week. <laughs> but Everybody loves apples, and there's so much you can do with apples, so that's all good. It, that is a neat concept of, like, getting back into, like, the rhythm of of the different crops, you mm -hmm. know, because I think in the grocery stores, because, because stuff is coming from all over the world, we just take it for yeah. granted that, you know, like, strawberries are always in season and pineapples mm -hmm. are always in season, you, you know, or whatever. You know, I think... Yeah if you're savvy in the grocery store, you kind of know like, okay, these, these strawberries <laughs> were harvested like last summer and they're just kind of been hanging on yeah. in storage until, until the new ones this year. You, you know, I think most people can kind of tell when, when the flavor, you know, drops off or the, or the texture of them or, or, you know, or something. But, but I think that's a really, it's a really neat skill, I think, to get back into, these these pulses of things being ready through the growing season and that your your diet and your way of cooking revolves around that as opposed to just the oh I want a passion fruit tonight or, you know or whatever and it's like well yeah. it came from New Zealand or whatever it, it, it's yeah it just seems it seems old fashioned down to earth yeah 
It's it, that's normal. That's normal. The normal way to eat is to eat what's in your local um, region, in your local microbiome, and and then you get those same uh, nutrients from the food, like from your own region. Um, I started this whole thing started with garlic for me because I just noticed one day like, why is all the garlic from China in <laughs> in North Van here? Like basically all of it. And I didn't know anything about gardening or growing at the time. This was probably about five years ago now. I'm like, I'm pretty sure garlic is like easy to grow. And I'm sure that out in the Fraser Valley down there, there's lots of farmers that grow this stuff. Like why is it all from China? And I still don't have the answer to that question. Um, but that's where I started. And I started to source local garlic and then um, sold it in my garden groups. So I, I found a, a grower in Kamloops. And for two summers, I would buy her her garlic um, at her her price, and then I would just upcharge a bit um, so that I made some money, and everybody's happy. Everybody gets local garlic, um, but that's really where it started. And just looking at the yeah the the nations are represented in my Save on Foods grocery aisle, and it just shouldn't be. And I think a lot of people don't even know what a real strawberry tastes like because they're so used to just buying the clamshell of Driscoll's um, strawberries at any time of the year. And because and even when strawberries are in season, they're going to choose the Driscoll's because it's cheaper, which is so infuriating because our local food costs more than your California strawberries. So they're going to go with the cheaper. And I think people are so divorced from where their food comes from. And they don't even think about it. Though. that's the problem <laughs> another thing yeah exactly a whole and, process and of, of like awakening. they don't think about all those other things oh totally yeah it, it is and mm -hmm. i think once 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 this door is broken down with your food it's it's like your your world changes right and um mm -hmm. you know you start bringing into those other factors like like fuels like sh you know shipping costs and yep. gas costs and stuff when things are coming from the other side of the world um mm -hmm. you know there's an an, a, an immense amount of energy has taken to get it here and then it begs the question mm -hmm. well then why is it still cheaper than than yeah. your farmer in the fraser valley so then it comes back to like you're you, you got to start asking questions about environmental standards and fertilizers and mm -hmm. What are they using for labor and how well are those people paid and treated and where do they source exactly. their water from and so on and so on. And all of a sudden, yeah. the, the, the quote-unquote costs of some of these products change immensely. Yeah. And I saw a documentary about garlic from China and I was like, I'm done. I can't, I can't unsee what I've seen now from the, <laughs> the labor that they use, uh, these poor people over there and the water. Um, and garlic is literally the easiest crop to grow. There's no reason why we should ever be buying from China um, for that. Yeah, it's just it blows my mind, and it just makes me think that there's there's everybody's in cahoots at the top, and we're we're just dumb because we're we've never really as least people in the city, I should say, because we are so far removed from our farmer and our grower and we've we've never been taught how to grow our own food it's not something that's prioritized in education system so and people think kids think food comes from the grocery store um i have a 14 year old daughter and her friend asked her like i wonder where whipped cream like real whipped cream comes from 
<laughs> and that was shocking to hear. I'm like, this 14-year-old kid, it doesn't even know where real whipped cream comes from. So oh. it was pretty scary um, how, how like, it's not getting better. Well, let's, let's show you. See the handle on that wooden bucket? You sit there for 45 minutes and turn it. <laughs> no, you'll never oh yeah, forget. no, it's hard work, and uh, like that's the other thing, right? We're 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 busy people now, and um, we like I myself have like my evenings are full of taxi driving from baseball fields, football fields, and all these different things for my kids. Um, so it, it's and it takes time to make a meal. Sometimes I'm you know you want to make lasagna, that takes time to brown your meat and roast your vegetables and all of those things. So yeah, good food takes time, but um, for me now, like there's just there's no going back because the flavor is so much better, the nutrient density is so much greater, and just the, the satisfaction of knowing who's represented on my plate that I actually know these people. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I will we'll make the transition here in the in the in the food groups. Mm -hmm. So I knew a fella. He was a farmer as well, lived down the road from me, and he also had a second job <laughs> to make mm -hmm. ends meet. And he was actually yep. a federal government meat inspector at the U.S.-Canada border crossing um, not far from Cranbrook where I live called the Kingsgate border crossing. That's where all the cattle out of Alberta go through there. So there's a federal government inspection okay. station there. So he was telling me, I was at his farm one time, and he was telling me that the beef that's shipped in from like Argentina, um, New Zealand and stuff, mm -hmm. it's, uh, the animals are slaughtered, then it's frozen and it goes the, like basically like the quarters and sides and stuff go on to a ship. And then mm -hmm. that ship sails across the ocean to North America. So he said, once that ship gets in on, like the meat gets onto the ship, all mm -hmm. the, the laws of the shipping, exporting country and the importing country no longer apply to the quality and okay. the care of that meat. And so he said to right. save on energy costs in shipping across the ocean, because they might be, you know, it might take a month to sail, you know, from New Zealand mm -hmm. to, to, to Canada or whatever. They shut the refrigeration systems off and the meat thaws out. What? Then they turn it back on and they freeze the meat again and then they shut the freezers off. So your meat is coming from the other side of the world, like the Southern Hemisphere, mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. it's thawing and freezing, thawing and freezing, thawing and freezing. They reach port, it's frozen, a meat inspector goes on, <clears throat> everything's good, but they have no idea what's mm -hmm. happened to it during that mm -hmm. transporting time because there's no laws apply. So that's crazy. That's crazy. Ugh. So speaking of meat, you appear to be making the transition of giving these same considerations to, to meat, where your protein is coming mm -hmm. from and wanting to have right. some control over that. And it sounds like you're yep. going to get into hunting to become a hunter. Tell us. Yes, that's. Tell us about this journey. A couple of days to string together, to take my core and my pal. Um, that's my hardest part. I was, over the summer, I'm like, okay, this summer I'm going to get my pal. But anyway, um, yeah, it was actually through my business that I met Nick from Reliable Gun, here in Vancouver, 
Um, he ordered a harvest box. I brought it to the shop, and we got to talking. And I, last year I was homeschooling two of my boys. Um, this year I'm just homeschooling my youngest one. But anyway, we got to talking about hunting. And um, my husband had just got his hunting license. He squeaked in by the skin of his teeth just before everything really got crazy with COVID. He uh, he got his license through with Dylan at Eat Wild, and, and uh, he got a buck. Um, I don't know. I don't know. The whole the whole COVID time frame is really blurry in my mind when it was, but it was a couple of years ago. So he's going up again. Um, but I was like, okay, great. That's that's your thing. Hunting is your thing. But he he's a busy guy, my husband, and um, doesn't have a lot of time to get out and not as much time as I would like him to. So I'm like, well, I don't want to wait around forever for you. I love you, but I want to go. If you if you don't have time. Um, then I want to make sure that I have time. And I, I like I did not grow up in a hunting or angling family at all. Um, my parents divorced when I was young, and I was just ping pong back and forth as I grew up. You know, weekends at mom's, dad's during the week, and vice versa. Um, and they they were full time employees, so yeah, I lived on the standard '90s childhood Canadian pyramid diet. Um, you know, your mushroom soup and your steamed broccoli and your pork chops. <laughs> Basically, that's what I remember. Um, but now, yeah, and now that I'm listening to to you and to Travis Bader at Silvercore and, um, you know, getting into the community now through Nick, you know, he organized a bunch of youth shoots this summer that I brought my kids to just to have some experience um, with, with guys who would mentor because that's a huge factor like as someone standing outside the community looking in like how do I get from where I am here to to be in the community and it, it does take effort um, but I think like now that I've listened to lots of um, podcasts I think that that is being recognized now that the mentorship is really needed for people to get into this community so that's awesome um, that people are willing to step up and take people under their wing um, and sort of help them along so um, becoming part of the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers group and uh, Lee who um, he was the chapter leader until recently uh, or maybe he still is of the Region 2 Backcountry Hunters and Anglers group. He had me speak about Valley to Shore at um, the last pint night. But yeah, just, just meeting people and making connections um, and just learning, learning through, like I can't go take my core right now just because of my time constraints, but learning through content that you're putting out, um, you know, doing my best when I can to get out there. Like I took my son fishing a couple times this fall uh, for pinks, and Jeb and I, my husband, we went out. Um, it was like our, our date. <laughs> I was like, this is the best date ever to get up at 4 in the morning and go up to Squamish and get our little inflatable in the water. And we each caught a pink that morning. It was just so much fun. Um, I actually worked at a fishing lodge when I was 18 after high school. I worked up at Rivers Inlet for a summer, and that was good fun. So now it's sort of like, now it's coming back. Now that I forget, I got married when I was 19, started having babies at 21 until I was 27, and then I was just in it until recently. It's like now like <laughs> the clouds are parting a bit. I'm like, oh, okay, there's a, right, there's a whole world out there that's not just diapers and uh, little kids. Um, so yeah, now I'm wanting to get, to know where my food comes from, and I think the, I think hunting is just fascinating, and the, all of the layers of um, conservation that are woven in there as well. People just don't realize. Like it, I think the narrative against hunters has done a huge disservice to the industry, 
and to the community that you know a bunch of white guys in flannel are just shooting up everything they see up in the bush. Um, but that's not what it's like at all. Um, so I just really, yeah, I want to be part of this community. I want to have a hand in getting my own meat. Um, even talking to other like baseball dads about um, about hunting and about even just buying Farmer Direct and getting kind of the off cuts, like having having heart. I think heart and tongue are amazing cuts of meat that we just. I think it just probably goes into the garbage a lot of the time, unfortunately. Um, so learning how to use, utilize those those cuts that aren't offered at the grocery store, and they're but they're they're grossed out by that. I'm like, shoot, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Especially when I'm talking to another man and he's grossed out about, you know, handling meat. I'm like, shoot, this is this is not good. We've really done our our guys a disservice. Um, where well, luckily you have yours now. Like you're, yeah. you're not talking oh, to them, one. looking for your man and going, okay, that, yeah. that one's off the list. He's <laughs> never going to come hunting with yeah. me. <laughs> he just wants his cellophane wrapped, um, nameless, faceless meat. So if I can't buy it, Farmer Direct, uh, and even just the adventure of going out there and being outside is like what it does to your mental health and just brings your battery life up, especially living in the city and traffic and dealing with just density all the time. Um, I'm more and more drawn to getting out, out there and, and learning and observing and being um, in the quiet more, which I'm not a lot right now. So, so <laughs> nice. you're, you're an incredibly busy person, so we have to... Um, we we have to do some coaching to buy you some time to get you through your yeah. core course. So that might be something right. we'll work on and schedule it and we'll text you and see if you're reading your chapters and you got your course booked and stuff. Maybe maybe that's some of the mentorship. We gotta like find Dana some time to get get through this process. Yeah. I think I think I we need could, an accountability I th partner. I think we could get a big team um, <laughs> to hold hold you accountable to that and, and to help help you through it as well. So you're a busy person um, and mm -hmm. you want to start procuring your food um, through hunting. Mm -hmm. But it seems like that's gonna be really hard for you to do. Like wouldn't you know, it seems like folks are listening. Well, wouldn't it be easier just to, you know, pick up some lamb or some some chicken or whatever? Because you have you have this busy life being a mom. What yeah. is it? And and now what I'm hearing from you is the process of hunting, the people and the process and the connection of being out there is an important part yeah. of knowing how your food comes. Is what you were doing and what it was like that that day. What about the meat itself? Like, what what have you learned? What what are you um, holding near and dear to your heart to say this this product um, is worth me doing this? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we have re we have so cheapened life, um, the life of an animal to feed us, right? Like chicken nuggets. Um, you know, cellophane wrapped, which I've heard can be made up of like forty or a hundred uh, different yeah. chickens. It's not like one chicken. Mm -hmm. No, it's not one chicken. It's many, many chickens. Um, I think we have a responsibility as meat meat eaters. If you're going to eat meat, 
um, there's a certain level of responsibility I think we need to each take in how that animal grew up um, and how and how it was killed, whether it's whether you're able to go hunt it or not, but at least buying it from a farmer, um, or at least knowing where it came from and how it was handled. Because um, when I hear like, oh, I, just, I don't want to look at that, like I I don't want to look at the poor little the cute little cow going to slaughter um and it and death is hard death is messy um and it is it it is like sad i guess to for someone to kill a, an animal for someone else to eat but that's life there's there's life and death all around us and as a meat eater i wanted the responsibility to know that that animal lived out its days, whether it's a cow, like living out in the open fields until he had one bad day, um, but otherwise was doing all the cow things, normal cow things. And if I'm going to go get a deer one day, hopefully, um, it was out there in the wild living its best life until it met me, and then, <laughs> you know. Um, and then harvesting the animal and putting in that effort because I think that just as more and more, I believe that it's just a responsible thing to do, and um, it's it's a process for sure. Like I recently butchered a chicken, um, and to, so to kill an animal, like I wanted to really take it all in. It's it's not a light thing to to kill an animal to eat for food, um, and I wanted to like feel all the feels, and it was it was like even it's just a chicken, but it was like an adrenaline rush because I've only ever killed a, a fish or crab before. Um, but this thing was looking me in the eye a, a second ago, and now I'm holding its feet as it as it bleeds out. Um, but I, yeah, just just knowing that I'm going to be responsible and in utilizing all of this animal now. I'm not just going to take the best cuts and then throw the rest away. Um, but it's it's really interesting how we can u- utilize so much of this animal. Um, and it's I haven't found a good kidney recipe yet, though. I haven't got that far. I've got some kidney and liver in my freezer. Every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, I just don't know how to make this taste good. But I'll keep trying. But I got there with the heart and the tongue. Um, and I, I told my husband, like, if you get a deer this time, like, you have to save the coal fat. Like, I gave him a list. Like, don't throw that away. I know it'll get eaten up by other critters in the forest, but I want those things. So, yeah, I just, I want I want to, to take more responsibility as a meat eater, I guess. Um, and it's, if I can butcher it by my own hand and um, field dress it by my own hand and haul it out myself, like I, I feel like that is like the ultimate as a meat eater. And then to take it to the butcher for processing, yeah, it'd be amazing. So the the, the chicken that you processed, um, mm-hmm. have you cooked and eaten it yet? Yes. Um, she was a, a scissor beak chicken, so she wasn't able to train herself properly, um, eat properly, drink properly, and she wasn't thriving. So, yeah, made the decision to put her down, um, and she went into the stock pot and made a beautiful broth for us. Her feet went in, and um, the the feathers, I, I saved everything that I didn't know how to utilize or, or couldn't right away. Um, like, the blood went into my garden soil, but I gave it to, I have a compost farmer through, that I've met through my business. So everything that I don't eat, and even when I make broth, and, um, you know, I don't want to throw all of that good stuff away, but I 
I put it in a bag and then I give it to him and he has a way of composting it to turn it into soil so then it can be used further um, to add nutrients to the soil to grow more food. Cool. So when you were eating that chicken, did you think of mm -hmm. the chicken itself? Like, did you yeah, of course. Yeah. kind of spend, spend a few seconds to say, mm -hmm. just visualizing this chicken when it, when it was alive and, and when I saw it, like it, yeah. you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I did that's, it and, uh, yeah. that's an experience that I know I have. And I think a lot of hunters have when we are eating the animals that we've harvested from the wild. And mm -hmm. that can be a very special part of taking that responsibility, like you said, for yourself, because mm -hmm. you actually take time to almost kind of like, you know, to take that moment before the meal to kind of give thanks, right? Like this yeah. was all one animal, not the, not the mm -hmm. chicken McNugget thing where, you know, this is a representation mm -hmm. of deer in this general <laughs> geographic area. No, it was one animal, yeah. right? So you can remember that, yeah. what it was doing, what you were doing, the time, the place, the air, the landscape, everything before mm -hmm. and after. And, and I think that, that and, and I'm going to say like that spiritual connection to, to that, I think is healthy mm -hmm. as well. And, and I don't know if that yeah. comes into healthy eating is is how we actually think about the food or what we're eating, but I, th I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. It gives you a, a reverence for it and, a, yeah, a deeper appreciation for what you're about to partake in and, and eating it and nourishing yourself and your family. And, um, yeah, I think it gives you a greater reverence for it as opposed to just grabbing a pack of pork chops for nine ninety nine off the shelf. Yeah. And and not not knew not knowing porky before <laughs> beforehand. Yeah, like that is the ideal situation and it and it, it takes work uh, and intention to even to know your farmer and where it comes from, like and what the pigs ate. Like but all of this information is it is available. It's possible. Um, and it's, I know a lot of people feel overwhelmed when they start their like real food journey. Um, but really it's just making one change at a time. Like I started with garlic and then, and now I'm like, I ordered my core book from silver core and I'm trying to get through that and, um, ingest the information so that I'm ready for the course. And so, that, but it's taken five years to get from, from garlic to, you know, wanting to get my hunting license. Well, so it's a process. No, it is. It is. And especially when you're working and you're raising kids and you're homeschooling, that's, yeah. that is, um, that's, that's a lot to fit in. Like, abs absolutely. That's a lot to fit in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so kind of last thing, what, what are your friends and what are your kids reactions <laughs> to you wanting to be a hunter? Yeah, um, my kids are fine with it. Because uh, their dad they, hunts. Uh, yeah, dad hunts. Um, you know, he's on, he's been on a few. He's been out a few times. Um, been successful once. So, uh, yeah, he's still really new to it as well. Um, but uh, I I feel like my kids have gone through a bit of a 180 with me because we would we just they grew up pretty conventional um, until you know, the whole garlic thing started. And then we watched the documentary, The Biggest Little Farm. Have you seen that one? 
Um, was that that couple in California with the regenerative? Yeah, 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 and and the big yeah. the big pig and and yeah, yeah. no, we watched that last winter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've seen that thing like six times, um, <laughs> <laughs> and every time I'm like, can we please get a dog and go get a farm somewhere? But hopefully one day it would be amazing to have to have that. But um, yeah, I did a pretty. They, I think they're still getting over the whiplash of like, okay, I'm not going to buy the, the packaged food anymore. Um, and I just say no to things. My husband is, he's coming along. Um, we're not quite on the same page as everything yet. But uh, I, yeah, my kids are learning to, to cook and to bake. And they say, oh, I don't have anything to eat. I'm like, well, you just spend half an hour and make yourself a, an apple cake. Make yourself whatever, you know. It, it takes time, but it tastes so much better. And it is, I feel like it's saturating slowly. And I think they'll look back. I'm expecting in like 10 years' time to see the real uh, fruit of these decisions now of, of not buying the packaged food. And, um, you know, I'm not perfect either. You know, we buy pierogies. We buy bag food sometimes. Um, but on the whole, yeah, I, my intention is to eat real food, whole food where we know where it came from. And, um, and my friends, yeah, my one friend, like, he is never going to get behind tongue tacos. It's just not good. <laughs> like, don't have me over and <laughs> don't play any tricks on me. Um, I think they're kind of like, okay, that's, that's nice for you. And they'll just sit, but they're watching. And, and, um, you know, some of them order my harvest boxes and they, they're getting on board. And, um, some of them just think it's kind of weird, but that's okay. I and think, then, uh, I and if every- I... You know, one day when I'm hopefully successful at a hunt, um, I will share, and uh, we can enjoy that together too. So, I'm looking forward to that. I I think so. I think I think a lot more people are curious than mm-hmm. actually opposed or or put off. And so, when they get a chance to see and observe, uh, I think you're probably going to find yeah, you're going to have an influence on on a few people few people for sure which is super cool years ago i read a study i think just it was out of the u.s but Mm -hmm. one of the things they showed was that in a family when the mother hunts and hunts with her children those Mm children tend to pick that up as part of their life and carry it through on to adulthood more children will stop hunting even though they've hunted with their father when they grow up and and separate but if those bonds to hunting are formed through their mother it's it's like a lifelong bond to hunting so i i always thought that was pretty cool and i i I think it's super exciting to see someone like yourself uh starting this journey because i i I think it's going to be a positive positive uh thing for your kids as well yeah um yeah, so looking forward to everything being done. Like my, my youngest son especially, he's super into the outdoors. And um, we were out just looking for stuff for a diorama he had to do for his homeschool project. And he, he started noticing all the mushrooms around and then asked me to upload some apps. So then he went, he ran around the forest like just identifying mushrooms and he's really into it. And um, I took him to the Thompson River this fall uh, to do some fishing. That was really fun. But I did had a question yesterday from a friend who who asked me if if hunting is worth it and like why I think it's worth it. Um, and he he values his where his food comes from. But um, yeah, just not only knowing, but just um, 
like the the whole mental health aspect of it too of getting outside and uh, and working hard there's always reward um even if you don't come back with an animal i think that it's it sounds like from what i hear from others that it is so rewarding to get out there and just be in nature and be in that environment and and to work hard and you always feel like you've you've been successful in some degree in learning even if you aren't successful that like at actually getting an animal on the hunt so yeah we'll see but um when my husband got his first buck he did he made most of it into pepperoni and was able to share it and tell the story of how he got it and everything so that was really cool i'm looking forward to doing that too one day oh it's it's exciting look forward to following your journey mm-hmm. doing this where can folks if they are located in your neck of the woods yeah. in the lower mainland of vancouver where can they find you in and your business yeah well i've got the two instagrams running my my personal one where i, I share a lot more about hunting and fishing and stuff um just my dana dykema at dana dykema on uh, instagram and then i have all my chicken stuff there because i have four hens in the backyard and i get right now i'm averaging three eggs a day so that's pretty fun um yeah i never i never thought i'd be a, a chicken owner in the city but here we are we're doing it and it's pretty fun they are they're always very excited to see me come down the stairs so um be great to have a milk cow one day so dana like on instagram with all of all of that sort of stuff and then for all the vegetables and um, I do buy meat from uh, a rancher up in Boston Bar as well. So I do talk about meat and stuff on my Valley to Shore. So that's at Valley to Shore on Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah, and I'm always on. My husband's like, you spend too much time on the social media. But that's how you connect with people. And that's how uh, that's how we connected. So just, yes, it can go over the top. But it's been a fantastic tool for me um, to connect with like-minded people and to make friends and um, and learn lots, lots of amazing things. So, very I like cool. it. Very cool. Very inspirational. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time to come on and share your story with folks. I, I think one of the cool things about this podcast is people are going to hear this and, and realize, you know, the similarities, see the similarities in the stories, the interests, uh, be inspired, and that's what this is about. And that those stories connect us all in. Yeah. this bigger hunting community, uh, new, aspiring, and well-established hunters, everything, your story mm-hmm. connects us all right from from the harvest box. I can just, I love your pictures <laughs> of those harvest box. I'm just like, wow, this is the coolest, coolest, colorful <laughs> harvest box. I just want to, yeah. I just want to go get some vegetables. <laughs> and uh, when I see those pictures. They do pictures, a good job so. over there. Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks. It's it's a great inspiration. And folks, you're gonna have to uh, when you see this come out on the Instagram, you're gonna have to give Dana mm-hmm. some encouragement and and uh, some accountability. And and uh, let's yeah. let's get her through getting her yeah. hunting license and and on on her way. Dana, thanks very cool. much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure.